Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Welcome to Propane Business Podcast. Today, we are talking with genuinely our favorite guest that we've ever had on the podcast is Dr. Mike Isretel. He was the professor of sports physiology, now working for Renaissance Periodization. Um, And you will have most likely seen him if you've been around in the industry for some time. Um, He's done a lot of amazing content through Revive Stronger and also through the Renaissance Periodization channel. And what we wanted to talk about today with him is is less of the um, the science of hypertrophy, which we covered on the Propane Fitness podcast. So if you want to listen to that, it's an absolute corker. Um, go back and listen to that. I think it's episode, I'm just going to make up a number, 167. Um, but today we want to talk about really going from being an online coach to content marketer and really the journey that he's gone from um, where he started out as an academic and also as an online coach to where they are today. Mike, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me again, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. No problem. Do you want to just give us, Mike, from kind of your perspective, what what does Renaissance Periodization do? Like, what is your role? Kind of for people who maybe haven't heard of you before, um, how does that how does that look? Maybe like, what is it? What does a day look like for you as well? It'd be interesting to hear. Sure. So currently, um, Renaissance Periodization is a a company that specialty is helping people get in shape through indirect non-face-to-face means you could say so you don't have a personal training division but we have a team of trainers uh, over 20 uh, coaches rather um, and they're online coaches and uh, a lot of them are most of them are very highly qualified actually all of them are very high qualified most of them have phds mm. in the sports sciences uh, uh tons of them have registered dietitians uh, degrees and, and uh, all of them have an athletic background um, because and i can talk about this later but we only hire folks that really 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 know what they're doing <laughs> um, and so that's kind of the core of the company and uh, then we also have what you could say a division of digital products Um, which I'm probably, I guess, in charge of. Um, And the digital products include articles, which are free, um, videos, which are also free, which we now release exclusively to YouTube. We're transitioning from a paid site system we had uh, to YouTube videos, and those are uh, all educational videos, really, or almost all of them. And then we have books that are more advanced and more in-depth than either videos or articles, which are ebooks and they're uh they don't cost a ton of money but they're a little bit up there and then we have um templates that you can buy once you've read the books and the books sort of help you how to design a diet uh, many of them and help you how to design a training program sort of teach you how to do it if you're like yeah learning is cool you you can learn how to build a car in your garage but then you're like well i can just go buy a car uh someone save me the time and the expense so then the uh 
templates uh, help you basically design your own program super, super easily and customize it to yourself. And then, of course, we also have the Diet app. Uh, and the Diet app is like a really advanced version of the templates and it basically grows you a diet from scratch based on your inputs and uses AI to modify uh, your diet as you progress. And uh, it's really, really cool. And that's actually comparable to the price of a book. It's only 15 bucks a month, so it's really cheap. And uh, we're working on uh, tons of other stuff all the time. So that's the sort of digital products. That's my world. Um, I don't actually do any more coaching myself. Uh, I coach a couple of friends. Um, and uh, we have a huge team of coaches that do that. So fundamentally, at the, at the end of everything, Renaissance is trying to help people get into better shape using science, reason, and logic. And because there's enough companies trying to quote unquote help people get better shape by supplying them all sorts of uh, ideas that don't stand any sort of luster at all. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do it at, I don't want to say every scope, but at uh, most levels of, uh, uh, of willingness to pay. And all that goes all the way up to our coaching. And if you sign up with our coaching, you can have someone who's a PhD and registered dietitian's license and has won jujitsu world championships or something. And that they're a personal coach for, you know, considerably more money. Um, although very competitive in the industry standard. And then they interact with you via email and other means and, and, and coach you along. So that's our sort of spectrum of services that we offer. So it's a it's a pretty impressive setup, Michael. Like even just as you're describing it, like with all the components laid out, and from the quality of the people that you, you have working in the team, through to fact there's, there's now an app with AI that's sort of taking over someone's diet for them or making the adjustments as required. So did it? I imagine it didn't start out like that, right? Like I imagine did it start out just the coaching and then you've added the products in over time, or what was it the original? Out with everything, I got a fifty billion dollar inheritance from my uncle. <laughs> I just. A couple it took me a couple days to make the whole company. <laughs> the company's actually been getting worse. So it used to be oh, no. flying cars. We had a whole city, and then they're um, just gone. Yeah, <laughs> just just memories, dust in the wind. Oh, just um, information products for hypertrophy. But that's a, a pretty strange, good strange wheat to chaff kind of story. Uh, <laughs> so that's what was left over. Yeah. Uh, Aliens that will later discover our fossils would be like it was a hypertrophic species that existed. Only concern. Mike, is is there any is there any way to turn up the volume on your mic a little bit? Likely, I can just talk louder. Ah, uh, cool. So, how does that sound? Better. Slightly better. Cool. Yeah. More at me. Okay. So, is this okay? Yeah. Okay. So basically, no, it didn't start out like that at all. Uh, company started out with myself and Nick Shaw, uh, the co-founder. We were both personal trainers in uh, New York City at like a pretty very good gym. Uh, it wasn't a gym; it was a personal training studio, a private personal training studio. Nobody works out there by themselves; it's all personal trainers. And we were training people. We were training at other gyms ourselves to try to get more muscular. And we were running into a lot of anti-science stuff, resistance to science. And we were really quite quite upset by that because we thought, okay, like science has to be the surest of the truth. And if people want the best results, what the hell are they doing with, um, you know, all this crap? Uh, so we sort of – at that point, Nick more than, than me uh, sort of knew that eventually we were going to have to make a company of our own and, and do something about this to really help people as much as possible because we saw a lot of – very, very sharp, very, very well-meaning business people in New York that um, were coming to various trainers and various companies, and they were just not, really not being served to the level of um, equality that they could be. And, 
and they were being lied to uh, sort of implicitly because of, oh, you know, do this BOSU ball stuff and you'll get it in great shape. That's, that's, that's not true. So um, we, we figured we'd do something like that. And, you know, uh, I was in the middle of my education at the time and I uh, took a, a PhD student position at East Tennessee State University. And that's a whole long ways away from New York City. And during the time that I was in New York City, I had um, been doing diets for quite a few folks uh, of my, my clients as well as training programs. And then when I moved to East Tennessee, I conserved lots of my diet clients because you don't need to be there in person to write diets. And some of these people uh, you know, switched to other trainers, and I was actually training uh, friends of, uh, of clients at that point, and they had their own trainers. And they, you know, would interact with me with diet. They'd get a very high quality, what I thought at least, they thought at least was a high quality experience. A lot of, um, you know, all the questions they ever had about theory or what we're doing next were answered very succinctly. And they're like, man, this is great. And then they, they would ask, uh, start to ask things about the personal trainer. Like my trainer said that X, Y, Z is true, but I feel like it's not. What do you think? And I'm like, well, you know, charitably, I'll respect your trainer. That's like actually not the state of the literature at the time. Never was. Matter of fact, it's physiologically impossible for the following three reasons. And they're like, <laughs> damn it. I knew it. My trainer's an idiot. And they're like, do you have any, do you have any good trainers in the city? And I was like, well, my, gee, my friend, Nick Shaw. And it, it was sort of like, and then Nick had clients uh, that he was doing a lot of training clients at that point. And they want someone to write their diets. And he was like, you know, my friend, Mike, who lives in Tennessee and he goes to school there, it becomes a little strange to explain. So we basically started Renaissance periodization. Among other reasons, one of the major ones was to, to be able to call each other colleagues. So they say, you know, my colleague in this company, he does the diets, I do the training and vice versa and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden it became really easy to share clients. So we started sharing clients and uh, we started coaching more people online and some people just online at that point. And the business continued to grow. And then we got so busy that we had to uh, hire some other folks. Luckily, I was at a PhD program for sports science. So I was like, holy crap, you guys want a job? And they were like, sure. And, and so we got a couple of folks that were very good friends of mine that were very qualified to help us out. And then eventually, we kept getting requests from our clients, uh, very, very similar requests, um, not just from clients, but from prospective clients of like, okay, how do you do the diet? How do you do the diet? Are we cutting carbs? Are we carb cycling? What do you think about keto? And we got this, the, we were essentially giving very similar answers because they're very similar questions. And we got sort of tired of writing emails to everyone all the time. So we're like, you know what? We're just going to put out our diet philosophy, uh, which really wasn't a philosophy at all. It was just the aggregate of scientific literature at the time and best practices. And we're going to make a, a, a book. And at this point, I was writing some articles for uh, my friend, Chad Wesley Smith, who's not my friend at the time. We have been uh, sort of introduced in a, a mutual friend sort of gave the nod like, hey, Chad, you know, he's running Juggernaut Training, which is a very popular website even then. And like, you know, this Mike guy knows what he's talking about. You should uh, write uh, on a few articles. The first article I actually asked to write, I reached out to Chad because on his website, he had uh, somebody writing about the fact that people should never cut to super low calories. And it's, it's always a bad idea and it's going to result in psychological damage, all these other things. And I was like, well, that's not really true. Short-term short, uh, low-calorie diets are totally fine. And it really irked me. I was like, hey, Chad, can I write a response to this? And I uh, sure did. And, and uh, he's like, okay, this writing's not terrible. The article got a lot of attention. And we were like, hey, Chad, you know, we're going to make a, an ebook. Do you want to publish our ebook? He's like, sure, hell yeah, because he was selling ebooks on the site. So he took a very reasonable chunk of the profits and we made our first ebook. Um, and uh, that really started the thing, the Renaissance thing, because a lot of people bought the ebook and they were like, holy crap, I can write my own diets. This is easy. And then I got a more podcast on and so forth. Um, and the real, I guess, revolution came uh, was after the ebook. During the time that uh, my colleagues and I were writing the, the book, and specifically um, the parts I was writing, I noticed that it was, like, I believe, chapter 10, the design your own diet chapter. Uh, I was 
writing out the, uh, the process by which you would design your own diet. And I was like, man, this is a process algorithm that a machine could do. <laughs> I, and it, the person doing it is highly inefficient. So I told Nick, I was like, Nick, we can make an app out of this. And we did not have the money to make an app, uh, but we could certainly save some. And then I said, you know what, Nick, not, not only do we, can we write an app, but like, I think I can make this process like templatized into Microsoft Excel, where it like, basically you, you get a pre-written diet and it modifies it for you. You just click on the different tabs based on how you're resulting. If you're gaining weight, you click on a tab. If you're losing weight, you click on a tab, so on and so forth, whatever rate. It's like, okay, let's try the templates and uh, see how it goes. And if they go well, we can eventually make the app. So we started selling the templates, I, I believe, like in, uh, the book was published in November of that year. I forget what it was, November 2014, um, 2013. And then in February uh, of the next year, uh, the templates came out and they did a, a big sale at, at the beginning, like lots of units sold. And we we're like, oh, this is really cool. And then there was a little bit of a lull for a few months when people were trying them, right? Because, you know, a new product comes out, everyone gets excited, and the new product is not new anymore. Right? And then the before and after started to come out, and the client reviews started to come out. And, and then the template sales went, Wah! they just kept going. <laughs> so that was our big thing was with the templates. And then Nick took the lead on uh, digital marketing and Instagram and Facebook presence and all that stuff. And we're just trying to get the word out to folks. Same thing happened after we wrote a strength training book. We wrote strength training templates. We wrote hypertrophy templates because people had this thing where, again, we ran into the same idea. People were like, I love the RP diet. I love my templates. I love the book. But, like, what am I supposed to be doing for working out? Like, I've done this other program. Is it good? Do you guys have anything for working out? And we wrote the physique templates, female physique templates first, actually, because a lot of times males sort of seem to, like, want their own program and sort of knew what they were doing or at least led people to the illusion that they knew. You know, guys are always like, no, 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 I, I know what I'm doing. I think females tend to be more honest to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, and both don't know what they're doing equivalently, but the females admit it first. So we wrote the female physique templates and they were a huge hit because they were like, oh my God, I can actually train. And we wrote them for physique because we sort of got the insight that most people just care about how they look naked and in clothing. And strength is cool and stuff, but appearance is something that people really after, especially our people who are diet people, you know, and, and, and for sure, at least nine out of 10 people who do a diet, no matter what they tell you, are doing it to improve the physical appearance. So we had the physique templates and so on and so forth, and we kept growing. And then during this entire time, our coaching was getting more and more popular because templates aren't for everyone. People see that the company's doing well. They see the before and afters on the internet, and they message you, and they're like, hey, can you guys help me get in shape? Like, yeah, we have these templates. I'm like, yeah, I want a human being to tell me what to do. And we're like, crap, like, you know, there's only so many clients you can coach. So we started hiring uh, tons of folks. A lot of times it was through networks of people we knew. Sometimes it was people who just applied for the jobs we had never met. Funny story, I I probably haven't met, like, five, at least five of our coaches, I've legitimately never met and maybe never will. God knows where they live, somewhere across the United States. Uh, and and I just, uh, you know, I wouldn't even be able to uh, pass them on the street. I wouldn't be able to tell you who they are. Um, so we have like 20 some odd coaches now. And then at some point, the templates are doing very well, a super, super uh, high profit product. And it wasn't dipping. It was still growing. And I was like, Nick, like either we make an app or somebody else makes an app better than these templates. And then we're just, we're out, right? We can't do PDF documents anymore. We got to do something more advanced. And the app's potential is insane. Hired a, a company that was uh, making apps uh, based on referral. They quoted us initially. I, I'm, <laughs> share these numbers um 51 million dollars isn't it which is slightly above the inheritance amount and billion then, billion but i had gone billion. through the inheritance you know whiskey <laughs> is not free 
And I had gone through quite a bit of whiskey in my darker times. I call them the dark times, even though I was a billionaire at the time. Uh, it's all relative, isn't it? So um, basically, uh, they quoted us something like 150K for the app. And we were like, that's a shitload of money, but reasonable. And then they did, redid the spec and quoted us back at like 900K. And we're like, <laughs> well, so that was done. We sunk a ton of money into that, went nowhere. And then we tried another company. And like the funny story about that company, these companies will go unnamed. The head engineer on our project decided to leave the company and never tell us and they sort of knew about it but we didn't and so for four weeks he didn't correspond with us and we're like hey guys how's it going and they're like oh yeah what's his name left the company to go on like just like uh finding his own way in life kind of spirit journey. you know what we've we've had a spookily similar experience <laughs> where yeah the, the the main and it ended up like to the point where the main players and developers kept leaving of the company we were working with almost like a broom a broomstick, like changes the stick and changes the handle and changes the brush like so many times that we were like, hang on, I don't know any of this stuff anymore. Like I'm just dealing with a project that no one knows who we are. It's crazy. It's, it's completely insane. And so we were quite disillusioned. And during the time that we were trying to negotiate a legal settlement with this company because they dropped the ball so bad on us, um, earlier, a person that I had interacted with on Facebook uh, he was initially a proponent of sort of low-carb, keto, paleo type of stuff. And he had asked me a question on Facebook in a comment section. I was sort of maybe – I'd ask the question. He was like, uh, you know, I don't think you're correct. And what about this and this and that? And I was very polite to him and explained the science. We went back and forth. And he, he walked away with it. And these were sort of in his paraphrasing. And he's like, I was really kind of impressed. I was like, wow, this guy's like not a piece of crap. He didn't insult him. You know, a lot of people are like, how dare you? I'm Dr. Mike, you know, and I just very calmly explained. So he, he started reading all our stuff. He read the Renaissance Diet book and he was like, holy crap, this is amazing. And he was a huge philosophical scientist to begin with. Like he was like super pro evidence. He was like, oh, my, this is awesome. And he reached out shortly thereafter. He was like, you know, I'm a developer and I could build you like a client management system for your coaches. And I was like, hey, man, uh, yeah, thanks. But um, we're doing this other thing right now. We've got developers, but look, we'll keep you in mind. And then like two years later, our app, app is tanking there's roaches running out from light in the kitchen sort of experience and uh i hit him up and i was like hey dude you still want to build us an app he's like absolutely and uh so we hooked up with him he gave us an estimate and it was very reasonable it was actually way way low and then he he fucking did it and he hired another guy to help him finish the app by himself. two guys built a fucking thing not a company and then it was great and then we went through multiple rewrites and hired another whole uh, bigger team and now we have like a real real life app with with engineers and people who live in silicon valley and crazy stuff like that and, and they make a, the app for us and i'm a big part of that process um i basically design all of the architecture for the app and they turn my logic into machine code um and voila. So to answer the question of what I do throughout the day, I, I lift weights a lot. I train either jujitsu or lifting usually twice a day. But my main responsibilities outside of that, number one is app work, development work. Um, and I also do a lot of book writing. And I also do a lot of content creation as far as videos and also podcasts and stuff like that. So that's most of my day uh, right there. And of course, uh, between all that stuff, I try to read uh, a lot of stuff and think about a lot of stuff and write down ideas and so on. That is phenomenal because it, it, it's a really exemplary case of um, economies of scale or like the e-myth revisited where you started off, you know, doing a PhD with a mission to 
really sort out a lot of the, the false information and people that were getting diddled by trainers in New York. And then it's like, okay, you then develop into the point where the volume is driving the, that you've got so much volume coming in that you're not able to accommodate that. You then have to start scaling it a little bit more. You create e- eBooks, information products that turns into an app, into a client management system. And then 10 years later, that your what you're doing day to day doesn't represent anything how you imagined it like a decade before. Um, and so it sounds like you guys have been quite nimble, partly through serendipity and partly through well, obviously a lot of hard work and a good team and um, keeping up to date with what the market is requiring to the point where you've now got this like well-oiled machine by the looks of it. Yeah. We're trying to build a giant octopus that encircles the entire earth. It's mechanical. And, um, you know, cause it's what evil corporations really want and no one's done it yet, but we're trying to get that giant octopus and it will be in charge then. Cause you know, talk to us badly. They get a whole octopus. There's octopus. eight arm right we'll- here over North America. Like we'll we'll get the octopus on you. Like there's a uh, there's a book by <laughs> it's already on. <laughs> yeah, it's, already on. Well, so it's everywhere, isn't it? It's it around is, the whole it way. is. <laughs> yeah. There's a book by Nick Bostrom uh, about artificial intelligence, which I've I read that think, book. Oh, okay, so so I, I imagine you must have uh, modeled your business on this, where he talks about you, you give a a machine with AI um, certain set of inputs to say this is the function that you want to maximize. So maximize the number of paper clips that you can produce. Yes. And you don't give it any constraints. And the risk is that then it starts like optimizing for that one variable at the expense of everything else. And it pulls in nearby planets to produce more and more paper clips and kills all of humanity. So that's the octopus model. That's the octopus model. And really our AI system is, is um, it's, it's single directive is to world domination. We kept it abstract because we figure the AI is probably smarter than us. And, and it is, um, but, but on a serious note, um, I, most of the credit for thinking flexibly and thinking ahead of the curve goes to Nick Shaw, my business partner. Um, I'm more technically minded. He's more business minded. And if he sleeps, uh, it's very little. And when he doesn't sleep, what keep, keeps him awake is the future of the company and making sure we're doing a great job. And um, I, can, I can say some other things about him that I think are valuable for people who are trying to be successful. I am... I, um, I'm going to say this, it hopefully won't backfire on us, but we'll see. And then maybe I was joking. Eh? It does backfire on us. Um, Nick Shaw, uh, our company does a lot of business, tons of customers, right? lots of throughput. Nick Shaw cares personally. Personally, he's a CEO. He's a fucking gazillionaire. He lives in some kind of gated community. <laughs> they don't let me in. <laughs> Mr. Shaw can't see you right now. Um, he personally cares about every single customer review, every single one, deeply, to where if he gets a review that is substantively negative, like, you guys suck, you know, it's kind of like, ah. <laughs> um, substantively negative, it, it hurts him, and it keeps him awake, and it keeps him contacting the rest of our team and saying, how can we fix this? What do we do about it? Like, holy crap. Hey, this is a guy who literally cares about every single customer's every single opinion about the company. Uh, that's wild. 
And, and I think that may be part of the secret to success, so to speak, is like really, really have to give a shit. Um, and then you really have to do whatever your customers say they want better, whatever they want to improve, whatever they think is bad. You have to try to work on making it to what they want. And you, of course, you can't please everyone. But gee, if you try, then what you have in the end, you know, reach, what is it, shoot for the stars. Even if you fail, you land on the moon, which is, by the way, an atmospheric, uh, atmospherically, you know, negligible <laughs> planet of nothing. You're up there by yourself, trapped in its gravity, forever looking at Earth. It's a terrible place to be. Also, the stars are awful as well. Nobody ever says that. But um, you're just looking down at this giant octopus that's in, that's gobbling up the Earth and thinking, "I wish I was down there." That looks much better. Or, but or at least I'm not down there because the fucking octopus is killing ostensibly serving some function, which has yet determined. So, uh, but in any case, like maybe that's what it takes. Um, in part is really caring about the customer um, delivery because in the end, like if you care about customers, th- th- that's how you make all your money. That makes no sense. Trick. Like I think they're, they're the ones paying you. And like, if you get mm-hmm. a bad customer review, that is the, the earliest lead indicator of something possibly going wrong. And if you're like, if Nick Shaw, like at the head of this, like oil tanker, if stop, and he is, Start to see <laughs> octopus. Yes, <laughs> he's start, starting to see these kind of little um, cracks, which could be negative reviews. It makes sense to quickly squash them like yeah. bugs straight away. What's really interesting, Mike, is the the two sides of this. So you're describing Nick's kind of core personality trait is deeply caring about the people you serve and sell to, which seems completely rational, right? And I think a lot of personal trainers can can relate to that if they have some in-person clients, they you know care about them a lot. The idea of caring about hundreds or thousands of people starts to look a bit different because that doesn't necessarily mean that you can physically speak to every single one of those people or, or give each one of those people a bespoke service. And something you said was when you were making the templates, this realization of like, hold on, like this is this is not necessarily something that has to be done manually every time. There's a There's an algorithm here which led to the app. So, I mean, is that, that sounds like that's coming from the same place of like, actually I can deliver a quality experience at scale that just almost takes the human element out of it. You know, I'll tell you this, that's, that's absolutely correct. Um, the human element is a part of, but not the core and only thing that people are looking for. And the human element is just one of the pathways to what people are really looking for, which is the body and health that they want more than they want less, some kind of marginal, preferably large improvement, uh, problem solving. That, mm. That's what it is. Um, it, you could take an analogy from pharmaceuticals versus psychotherapy. People don't go to a psychotherapist just to talk to somebody. That's a very expensive price to pay. You could just go to your local bar and talk to people. They go because they want their psychological problems to be improved. You could also do this through drugs where they take a pill and the psychological problems be approved. And from what I'm aware of on the research summary of those two, they're roughly evenly effective uh, drugs and therapies, but differences here and there in application. But it's this fundamental goal is the same. So we always start with the goal. Um, how do we get people in better shape? Give them the shape that they want. Give them the health that they want. Give them the ability to play the sports that they want. And how we deliver that, if they want it delivered through a human being, awesome. If they can uh, have it delivered through a machine interface, great. Because that way, you know, so like, you know, in essence, we have like some tens of thousands of people that use the app. 
That means we have sleepless AI coaches, an army of tens of thousands of sleepless coaches who are always at the back and call, building the octopus, absolutely. So you spend some of the, you look at the app, you're like, apparently it's only spending 1% of its processing power on my diet. What's the other 99% going to that it uses my phone? It's, well, yeah. but the, this is such an interesting point that, and we, we say this to the personal trainers that we work with as well, because they often have a sense of guilt attached to like um, having anything that's, that's scaled or leveraged. And actually, if you can create the ultimate gold standard thing and then be able to copy and paste that, if it gets the result for the client, like let's see, someone follows a program and they get into amazing shape, but they didn't get um, three hours of phone calls a week. They're not going to put in a complaint. Like they got into the shape that they wanted to. And uh, an analogy from a guy we follow called Sam Ovens, who talks about when you go to the dentist and you've got like really bad toothache, you go to the dentist and you say like, can you get rid of this for me? And they go, yep, it's going to cost $3,000. I can do it in two minutes. And then you go, what? Two minutes? Like for a $3,000, like $3,000 for a two minute job. And they go, well, I can take an hour if you'd like, but (laughs) it doesn't like, it's not relevant. You know, you've come to them with a problem and if they can solve it, doesn't really matter. Like you don't care about the effort that it takes them to yeah. solve that problem. I have a, uh, that's an excellent analogy. I have an, I, I have another piece of input, but maybe assuage some of the guilt that these trainers have when I think it's, it's productive to think of your business as first of all, in the economic sense of supply and demand, you are supplying a demand. You cannot supply a demand that doesn't exist. So if you start selling two things on your site, super high level in-person coaching and literal pieces of shit. Like you will ship pieces of shit to people in a box, preferably humidity, humidity sealed so that they you know, retain their shittiness as dry shit just doesn't really have the same, you know what I'm talking about. Generally. You know, I don't, I'm not paying an Amazon shipping fee for dry shit. I want the real stuff. The wet so stuff. if you sell pieces of shit, um, it's really kind of irrelevant that you're selling that. What is highly relevant is people are buying it. Why the hell are people buying it? And then apparently they need the, some demand in the literal sense, the pieces of shit. And then, and then, hey, you're providing some kind of good service, right? So what you can do as a service provider, your number one job is to help the customer, period, with whatever they need, however they need it. And if you're like, man, I feel really bad for offering a template coaching service, that's okay. Just don't get rid of your personal coaching service. Have your personal stuff there still, and then offer a templatized version on the site as well. Or when people message you, if you don't have a site, say, hey, listen, like for 300 bucks a month, you can have me phone calls, everything, the deal. For 50 bucks up front, I can send you a template you can sort of run yourself if you have plenty of experience. Because some people are like, look, I've done diets before. I don't need to talk to some guy for three fucking hours on the phone. Some people love to have that interactive experience. And some people are just like, why? Like I've had doctors before I come in dentists, you know, dentist comes in and he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, eh, in my teeth. <laughs> like well, how many, what series of pleasantries can I say to move this along faster? Irrelevant pleasantries. I just want to have like a, like a digital, like a touch screen where I could be like, I communicate in a long form to him that I'm fundamentally okay, a good person, our values are aligned, please, for the love of fucking God, get to work on my teeth. Like, all, all is well. 
Go. Right. Some people just really want much more of that than they want. Like, how are you today? How's your relationship with food? Like, that's good stuff. Tons of people want that too. So if you offer up that alternative and people take it and you're not lying to them, you're not like this template is completely customized. It's bullshit. It's not completely customized. Like you'll have my interactive uh, availability, just a tiny little print, like for an extra hundred dollars a month. Like don't do shit like that. Be honest about what they're getting. And then when they get it, they will usually like it because that's what they fucking wanted, right? It, it, it's, it's like, you know, if you think only steak and lobster is what you do, then you're essentially saying the McDonald's business is total shit because they make cheap, awful hamburgers and nuggets and their nuggets aren't even as good as Wendy's. What the hell is going on? How much money does McDonald's make every year? I don't know. They they're octopus. They, I saw their arm. In a, in a building, in a, it's they're getting there, guys. They're getting it on before it even comes, like it's that. 100%. Yeah, it's imposing, and it's the, it's golden because it's the golden arches, but they have eight arches instead of two. So uh, you know that's a hell of a business. And fundamentally, I would say McDonald's makes a lot more people happier. There's just a very guttural level of humanity than any steakhouse in the world. I mean, yeah. like because it's so cheap and so effective. So there's a broad range of things you could be offering, and you don't ever need to feel guilt about it because if if the customer likes it. You're done. That's it. And of course, if it works. So the other core philosophy of the business, the first core philosophy is actually not to please the customer. And there's a bit of a thing with Nick and I, a bit of yin and yang, a bit of push and pull. My core philosophy, and for sure, at least probably his secondary, but very important philosophy is only sell shit that works, period. Our best understanding of the science, or at least damn close to it, that works really, really well. And then his side is make sure the customer is happy, right? How can those two be discordant? Well, a lot of times people come in wanting shit that they've seen somewhere else that doesn't work. They'd be like, do you guys sell you know, zinc supplement? We're like, no. Like, why not? Because you take a multivitamin, you eat a healthy diet, you don't need a zinc supplement. They're like, well, I heard that it was this magic thing. We could lie to them and be like, new RP zinc. Like it's better because it's RP. The octopus actually makes it. He's got a zinc factory in one of his arms. It, that would be insane. It would, it, you know, if we're just in this to make money, as much money as possible, first of all, it won't work because there's people way scummier than us that are better at the scummy lying bullshit than we are. Now we're in a really deep sea uh, where we're tiny fish. But in the evidence-based circle, we, we actually want to give people stuff that works. And to be honest, we think that's a longer-term business model. We're not a fad. There's no RP diet that doesn't exist. It's just scientific dieting. And it, because it works and because it's our best estimate of what works – it's going to be around for a while because it's like, you know, P90X, right? Not to shit on P90. You guys know what P90X is? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Heard it's just, you know, like, yeah, like a little weightlifting workout in your, in your, uh, in front of your TV. It, it's fine program. It maybe with some, you know, marginal effect, but you could ask like, why should I do P90X versus this other program? And at the end of the day, uh, those folks can't actually tell you why because like well it's this cool thing like you know they had like a oh my god dude they had a thing in of course la of course fucking la they had this business model where the workout was again in a gym kind of like a yoga studio and it's drumming like you have these very heavy drumsticks and drums and there's a leader and they do the drumming and it's not to learn drumming or to make any sort of music it is to get in shape think about all the uses of your time is this remotely the best one to get it no but it's this fad and it's someone you could you could talk to the head drummer guy and be like why should i do your workout he's like it's really cool it's really fun you're like what about from results is it the best workout if he was honest he'd have to be like no no like so so why is it going to be around well it's just a fad like it's just a fad and it's coming and going if the core philosophy of yours is to give people what is effective 
which every now and again means you have to meander through the customer service of explaining to them why you're not selling certain things that don't work and you never will, that's a good cost to pay because then you have this really thick, solid core to your business. And every time your business expands, there's no fluff. The core is still solid because you're always doing the right shit. So don't sell out, so to speak. Sell out properly. Sell things that work. And then you don't ever have to worry about like marketing or this and that. And the marketing doesn't sell for you half the time. And yeah, of course, marketing is important. But you never have to worry about like lying to people or here's the angle we're going to take. Fuck angle. The shit works. How about that angle? People love that angle. That's such well, a good point because then you've got – yeah, it assuages the guilt. As you said, there's no pretenses because you're just selling – what the reasoning is saying, well, yes, if you want the human element, we have this and it's this price. Otherwise, this is what we have. And yeah, like, I guess that there are people who, a lot of the time, people will try and give something because they think it's cool or they think it should be bundled into a product when actually the end user doesn't care. Exactly as the dentist analogy you gave before or the, or the dentist experience of like, all right, hurry it along kind of thing. And uh, with Uber, so Uber now has a feature to say, I want a silent ride, i.e. like, please don't try and talk to me, driver. Like, I just want to, I just want to, you know, see. I want to get somewhere. Yeah, I want to get somewhere. I'll give That's you a five-star rating, whatever you want. Just just let me do it in peace. I know a lot of people that would love that feature. Oh, yeah, I, I would for sure. I'm an antisocial mm-hmm. bastard. And so, <laughs> so I think um, you, you. the other point you made is that if you're going to be a bit scammy, you're going to get eaten up by the, the people who aren't afraid to go dick and balls into being scammy. So... If you like, so actually it's probably a better, even a better business decision to stay completely true to yourself rather than, yeah, like bending your rules a little bit and selling zinc because like there's a bit of demand for it. Cause then, yeah, yeah you're going to get shot down very quickly. There is a, a, what was that? Go ahead, go ahead. I got a good, good uh, something to say after that. Oh, cool. So um, the, the other kind of, I don't know if you heard of this like Nazi milk thing. I think we talked about it on the last podcast, possibly where it was this, it, it turned out to be an art project, but it got so much demand and it, they were selling Nazi milk in bottles. And what it was is some uh, neo-Nazi woman would bathe in milk and then she would bottle it up and sell it online for a massive price. And it's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yeah, like the, 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 the if, if you, if you capture something and sell it, I mean, I'd, I'd love to know what's driving the ultimate demand for that, to be honest. But the same thing goes for like, if you're selling a cookie cutter template, as long as you're, you're saying this is what it is, then mm-hmm. if if you have these clients, then we've definitely had them with people that think they're more advanced than they are. They've been training a year and they think they need this like super customized program when actually like they would do fine just doing 531. Um, then, you know, they're welcome to sign up for the one-on-one coaching. But otherwise, if you just want the silent Uber ride, just by the template for sure the analogy that comes to mind here is uh sort of gradations of force uh imagine that you wanted to join a jiu-jitsu class or boxing class and you had a guy there a girl that you were like really just just didn't like and you were sparring with them using only the rules of let's say regulated unarmed combat that's similar to the evidence-based approach of just making stuff that works um, and then let's say you took it to the next level. Like they had a role you lost or you lost a boxing match. And you're like, that's it. And you go to pocket knife. You're like, I'm going to stab this motherfucker in the parking lot. 
So the thing is, you don't want to go that route, and here's why. If he catches wind or he survives the stabbing, guns coming into the equation. And then if you get a bigger gun, the police get involved. And they, they don't have a bigger gun than you, but they have the National Guard, which is a bigger gun. And if you defeat the National Guard, the military just nukes you. you can, if you can survive a nuke, go for it. That's when you get six, six stars, isn't it? And then the military starts coming after yes, you. The yes. Time comes yes, after you. Grand Theft Auto. 100%. Yeah. You know, yeah, unless you're using cheat codes, which I only play GTA with cheat codes. But if you're not using cheat codes, when you get six stars, but you're in deep shit, right? <laughs> so, here's, so here's the thing. And that's the analogy there for fitness is if you stick to evidence-based stuff and always say the truth or your best interpretation of what's going on, you stay on that mat. You stay with the boxing gloves on. It's all fair. If you start to use a little pinprick and prick people when you're boxing them, that's what throwing a little bit of lies into your evidence-based stuff does. You're now competing against people who have nukes, like, and they will use them. If you lie, there's no need to limit your lying. Can you imagine someone's like, okay, I'm going to lie, but just a little. Be like, you, instead of our program promises 10 pounds of fat loss, I'm going to say 12. I know it's bullshit. It's not 12. It's 10. But I'm going to say 12. People really love that. What the heck? Now you're competing against people who are like, our program will lose you all the fat you want. All of it in one day. People are clicking on it. Remember, people don't know what the fuck they're buying. And if people are not inclined for evidence-based stuff, they're inclined to just click on stuff they like, they end up clicking on P90X type bullshit, which promises everything and delivers nothing. And then you're in that world. And how? And then you have to do the sleaziest, sleaziest marketing, the most layered bullshit, because it's all bullshit. You just don't want to get into that world. And bad clients as well. Like if, if you're trying to serve oh, sure. You know, you end up with more ball ache than you actually signed up for. And you can't rely on, like, as you were saying, like Nick cares about bad reviews. Like if that, if you're selling bullshit as a program, all you are going to get is people who haven't achieved the result that they thought they were going to achieve, which means the only way you can get clients is by marketing to get new people into the the bullshit world where everyone's stabbing each other on in BJJ classes. And then (laughs) there's no, there's, there's, there's no referral, is there? There's no, like, you can't rely on... I got all these people, these results, exactly what they expected and exceeded their expectations. And they've all told their friends. And, and I imagine that's a big part of how RP is, has grown, huge right? Part, Reputation. Huge part. Absolutely. And there's still some of that for bullshit because if you cut calories, people lose weight. And they're like, I sure. swear by this stupid program. But uh, those programs leave a lot of, uh, of chaff in their wake of like people they've mowed through. They've come out the other end unchanged or for the worse or just a little better. And they're like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, RP's target demographic is of course everyone the octopus doesn't <laughs> care who you are, but um, we'll sell templates to children. Mark my words, uh, babies. We have infant templates where you want to be the best infant you can be. Look, you're in this maternity ward. There's other infants around. Do you want to be the best looking infant or not? Like, yeah, you, know, you, know, you want the nurses to look at you and be like, "Wow, that is an infant." Right? That's not a guy making it. <laughs> so, but but in reality, a huge part of our target market is um, people who have been through their share of bullshit programs just fucking tired they're Mm -hmm. tired of getting ripped off they're tired of trying the new thing there are people that come to us that have experienced experience have done 10 or more diet fads and workout fads like we've literally had one of our guys um who works with us now ethan supplee he's actually an actor i don't know if you guys know who he is he was in like remember the titans and shit like that and he found rp just because he found one of like the ted talk that i did and he like listened to it he was like what the shit this guy seems like he knows what he's talking about. And before that, like we actually have a video of him on YouTube where he talks about all the diets he's tried. It's like comedy. He's like, I did keto, paleo, blah, blah. And he goes, nah. he, he, he lists diets I've never even heard of. It's like, that's a fucking diet. 
that's our ideal client because, look, the results we promise are just not as impressive as people who lie. We can't do that. Like, we're not going to give you eight arms. Well, the octopus has eight arms, which is vicariously good enough. But, like, we can't, you know, we can't give you the world. But what we'll give you is the very reasonable result that you're willing to work for. And if you iterate that process over and over, you're going to get in better, better shape. It's going to require your work. The results are going to be realistic. But over time, they're going to accumulate to be really, really awesome. That kind of thing doesn't really appeal to people who are just wide-eyed, new to the world, like, oh, fuck that. I want this shake that burns fat. We're never going to win against those people on the first run. But who we do win against is people who have had like five of those stupid shakes and diets. They're browsing because Thanksgiving came and went and they gained some weight. And like, what do I do? And they look at our P and we're like, hey, science and logic only. We have good results if you work for them. No magic. And they're like, you know what? I've tried magic. Shit doesn't work. Let me try this thing that seems more realistic. They do. They succeed very often. They love it. And then people at work notice like, oh, my God, Janice, you're looking slim. What are you doing? And they're like, I'm doing the last thing I'll ever do. It's called RP. They do science. And they have an they have an octopus. I'm not supposed to say that out loud, but it's coming. I just, it's like, Karen, I want you to be on the right side of the octopus war when it comes. Join RP, then you get a badge. The octopus doesn't step on you and your city and family. You know, because the arm, like, here's the earth, right? The arm's like, like, it's a lot of stuff down there. So just so I'm fully clear on this, Mike, so we're on the moon because we tried to get to the stars and landed on the moon, and we are watching an octopus Overrated. Overrated. No atmosphere, hard to breathe, all that sort of stuff. Watching the octopus. Very hard to breathe. Very hard to breathe. (laughs) Octopus is is encircling everyone who's been through the programs who are run by the people who started off like bringing a pin to a BJJ class. Now they're using nuclear warheads and people have joined their programs, didn't get results with them. Now the octopus is squashing everyone and taking over the world. Except Karen and Janice, because you've got them. Karen and Janice. Karen and Janice are literally an IFB pro stage flexing it out. And the octopus, like, it it, it lays its shit down. And then it's like Karen and Janice are right here. And it's like, it goes around them, uh, uh, protecting them in its sort of mother hen wing octopus arm of love. And that's really what we are as a company. We're we're a loving company. The love is trademarked, by the way. So beautiful. Beautiful. It is poetic. So yes, I had a question, and I've, it's been completely, I'm completely sorry. wiped from my mind. I wish I could be a more serious guest. It's awesome. The octopus analogy is—it's um, like asking the Zen, you know, the Zen question of if a tree falls, and it's just completely like, oh my god. So mm. what we need to do is get the Karens and Janices as wide as possible as soon as yes. possible. Yes. And they actually help build the octopus. And funny enough, you know, unlike the tree falls in the woods analogy, you will hear the octopus like falling. I don't care where you Whether are. Whether you're there or not. It takes continents. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you may not be there very shortly after the flag falls because it's going to fall on you. And everyone Still makes noise. So, of course. Mike, speaking of being a serious guest, the this is something I think you, you managed to straddle really well. Um, among other things that you straddle, but um, it's nonsense rumors that you've seen on the internet. <laughs> Those videos are not me. The technology to superimpose faces onto video is just crazy. Because um, you, you, you know, you, there's many people in the kind of academic fitness evidence based thing that are just rods, and they're really kind of quite boring guys, <laughs> and they lose their their personal brand, they, they lose any kind of um, sense of personability. And so then the people that seem to do best in fitness tend to be the guys that are one level lower on the kind of um, evidence hierarchy, that they're like the science communicators. 
mm-hmm. because the actual scientists at the cutting edge are just boring as hell and they they can't they can't relate to the general public whereas it seems like you um are much more open with like even your home stuff the style of style of training you do like you 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 put it all on instagram you don't take yourself very seriously like you often have like the zoomed in faces of you like in the middle of a a, like a bent row or something like that um are you insulting my videography sir (laughs) not not at all i'm I'm, I'm commending it (laughs) my my misunderstanding thank you please continue (laughs) um but is I mean this is clearly this is clearly like a is it something that you've you've thought like right I'm just gonna let loose on this has it been like a, a deliberate thing of like I need to make sure I maintain some element of humanity or is it just like you can't contain it and actually um, you've tried to be sensible and this is the result the latter by okay. far the latter <laughs> so like Nick Shaw actually restrains me greatly to his immense, <laughs> immense credit. Uh, if I was allowed to just post whatever I wanted to on Instagram, I would share memes that would alienate 90% of our customer base, wildly offensive. Like, and I always love uh, talking to Brits because they are uh, similar humor. There's nothing off limits and there's the worst, the better. And that's really who I am at the end of the day. Um, and so that offers uh, the disadvantage of me having to shut the fuck up when I just want to blab about stuff and saying very, very wrong things and alienating people. Um, it offers an advantage because I'm relatable. Um, here's the, the real trick. I'm not trying to be relatable. I just speak to people I, in a way that, you know, you speak to people. Like I don't, I, I will tell you that to you guys this, I don't know if this is insightful or not, but here we go. Um, I'm very uncomfortable with the the hierarchical idea in sociology of me as an authority. I don't like that. When I meet people, when I talk to them at podcasts, I'm like, oh, I'm Dr. Mike. I re- or don't interrupt me. I've got important. Fuck all that. I'm just a human being. And, and uh, I'm trying to fix that because I'm trying to become a cyborg. I suppose we all are. But like for the time being, I'm still a human being. I just talk, I relate to other people like the people. I hate the authoritative sort of thing of like, oh, I'm super important. So it's just my natural inclination to just want to put out stuff and be like, hey, I'm human. Here are some jokes. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be funny. This is the dumb shit that comes to my head. And if you, I've also got some cool info. If you want to know that too, here it is. And at the end of the day, you know, someone could say in retrospect, like, oh, that's very good. He's very good about engaging his audience and very good about uh, sort of putting on a personable face. It's kind really of a happy accident. A person. Very happy accident. Um, like just tailor-made for this particular job. Um, and, and uh, I, I, you know, can I do the authoritative thing? Yeah, I've been, I've actually going to be a professor again very soon. Um, and I've been a professor for many years and I have to stand in front of the class and try to be authoritative fucking hate it um like i can do it sure but i would prefer to just relate to people as equals and thus when i have the personal brand or whatever like dr mike i'm just being me uh, to a restrained extent there's a lot of me that social media can't see i would get canceled Mm -hmm. so fucking fast you guys have no idea Mm -hmm. um so so basically like there's that thing there what i would advise folks to do if they're trying to get a good brand is 
definitely don't just be honest with people and don't be yourself. Cause there's parts of you, like, you say, just be people who say, just be yourself in life. Haven't thought this through. Like, okay, be myself. I prefer to be naked. Grandma comes over. I'm still naked. Don't, don't do that. Right. Grandma's not going to want to see you naked. Don't be yourself. Be a version of yourself. That's presentable to the public in whatever capacity you want, but don't caricature this new character and don't fake the openness. Don't be like, Hey guys, I, I love these <laughs> podcasts where you hate them. Like it's not for everyone. I will say this in defense of the raw, scientists as you all describe them um you know there's a role to play in research and in product design that doesn't require any personability whatsoever and it's totally fine i think we all in this together folks that are more personable that get all their info or most of it from these scientists that are not personable they're the communicators they spread everything out that's great there's the scientists who aren't super personable that create all this content discover all of it and they're essential because without them we'd all just be personalities walking around shaking hands we'd have nothing to say and then there's other people missing from from that dichotomy of people who are unbelievable coaches but aren't into the marketing personality thing. Shit, 90% of the coaches at RP don't even have an online presence, but they're phenomenal coaches who love to connect to people, to help people one-on-one. And you'll never see them post on Instagram or anything. They just don't care enough about themselves. Uh, I struggle with that as well. Like, you guys know stories on Instagram where you're like, get off a plane and you're like, hey guys, I'm in London. I love it Uh, here. Like, I fucking can't do that shit. I do it out of like that stuff. I do. I make myself do it. almost every time you see a personal story for me. I made myself do it. I hate doing it. Just people are like, Dr. Mike, what are you up to nowadays? I'm like, I don't give a shit what I'm up to. Why do you care what I'm up to? Um, and, and some people just don't like that to the very extreme and some people love it. So whatever it is you find your personality in, it's probably better to stay close to where that is. And of course you could move into one of those other sectors, but whatever it is you're best at and like to do, be really, really good at that because there's plenty not everyone has to be a fitness celebrity for the love of fucking god if i could stop being a fitness celebrity that would be great i hate the celebrity bullshit i hate it i just want to be a fucking regular person and talk to people and really um i just want to sit at my computer and design algorithms that uh that apps end up using but uh uh, here i am on this fucking podcast uh, (laughs) faking all of this you know know, this that makes a lot of sense i think like the the common thread with that is authenticity isn't it because like you, you you presumably would have heard of James Smith, a British PT who's become very very popular recently. Um, if you haven't heard of a him, a lot of people name name James Smith. Quite cool okay, name, isn't it? I, I, I don't know that James Smith you're talking. Do, about, do you know what? So. Um, that's 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 surprising. But yeah, um, your presumption is <laughs> incorrect. There goes the fine. last of what you were going to say is uh, gone. <laughs> well, so he he's a guy who basically built his brand from being quite ranty and just like swearing and shouting at the camera and just being like very kind of very open and clearly it's part of who he is. And so it works well. But then after he gained popularity, you see this huge wave of people trying to be James Smith and they're doing a crap job of being James Smith because they're not James Smith. So you end up with like um, this wave of people that, that don't manage to, to do it and they're not being who they are. And it's the same thing, you know, you see these people that give it all the, all the smack talk online and then you meet them in person and they're actually quite meek and you're like, oh, this is weird. So yeah, like I, my, my sister, for example, is um, on a bit of a radical honesty binge, but it's turned into not honesty. Isn't that the state of British existence anyway? Well, it, <laughs> it's quite, quite legit, true. I think. 
It's more like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry for that too. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, excuse then me. You get a couple of whiskeys and you're like, well, what's wrong with the world? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> either, either radical honesty or radical sarcasm or radical apology. Wait, I, but, love, I love that one. But, um, but yeah, so she, she's gone overboard and actually now like, it's not honesty because it's irrelevant. It's going around and just like insulting people because it's just whatever comes to mind. Like that's, that's not Fuck you grandma. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's not being authentic. That's just like being offensive and giving yourself a, um, a, a way out. So it sounds like it is, it is being authentic, but there's, there's there, everything is marginally beneficial until it's not water is a good thing until you have a flood. There's so much such a thing as too much authenticity. Like, like hey, shake your own hand. You're authentic, but you've managed to get rid of all your civilization that you have about you. And some of it's yeah. necessary. I'm, Absolutely. So it's got to be like honest, but also relevant. Um, otherwise it's, it's just a bit destructive. And totally. so it sounds like you've got a lot of kind of metacognizance about processes that are going on here. And I know that um, you had quite a, a famous podcast with Lyle McDonald recently. Like we've been in trouble with Lyle McDonald. I feel like if you haven't, then God, you've not made it in the industry. Know. Yeah, you've definitely mm. made it officially. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? The little blue tick, blue tick of Lyle problems. I had Lyle problems, but yeah. <laughs> um, th- this is an interesting thing in, I think in the kind of academic and like uh, academics with an online presence world where there's a lot of ego. And if someone argues with them they tend to get really like as if they're being personally attacked for their interpretation of the data on hypertrophy and you're like the outside world must look at this and think like why is this man so angry about about this stuff um and i think it alienates the ultimate user as well the the, the ultimate people who read the the content i did that uh, in a debate i had with a gentleman named greg Duceppe, uh a few months back uh, i guess half a year ago so uh, he had like Navy and body talk shit about me uh, on his channel and you know said like i have no, no, no idea what i'm talking about this and that and and i had because i had very 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 politely sort of criticized his ideas uh, with most of the criticism being like i think he's correct and then he came back and just talked shit so i was like yo somebody hook up a fucking face-to-face bullshit so we can hash this out and i was like yo we're beefing i can be good at this so i beefed i took like an intentional posture of like you're a fucking idiot i sat like this the entire time um and i just embarrassed the guy well, i thought and he was wrong about every single thing he said i fucking did the mic is tall hierarchy bullshit where i ran circles around him slapped him a bunch and he had no idea what's going on and then his followers were like you were mean to coach greg you're a piece of shit this mike guy's an asshole and i was like oops but i thought we were beefing and (laughs) you know like i guess i played that role a bit to play that hand a bit too hard in retrospect i i I sort of i don't even know how i would have handled it but i think that that talk wasn't as productive as it could have been on either side i think like when i'm actually doing my arguing to convince thing i have like a lecture youtube about how to do that being charitable being nice i think and being non-egotistic like it's very well me maybe that i'm incorrect uh, and then all of a sudden it's super, super easy to get to the truth without having to clutch onto stuff. And unlike like Lyle McDonald, who is forever the mean version of me. I don't know if he knows any other thing. Um, and with him, you know, I used to follow Lyle and I used to be very interested in what Lyle said because he's very sharp, knew a lot of stuff. He was first to a lot of ideas because he's been around longer. And I used to be interested in what he said, maybe not, you know, about believing it. 
anything he said. Somebody like a Menno Henselman, who's now actually a very good friend of mine. I before I knew Menno, I always told people I don't always agree with Menno, but I'm always very interested in what he thinks. He's super fucking smart. He's super fucking insightful. He doesn't think like the rest of us. He's very uh, iconoclastic in his thinking. I no longer think that about Lyle because over the past few controversies, specifically the James Krieger Brad Schoenfeld volume controversy, it was it just clearly evident that Lyle was so egotistical and so biased. He was not interested in the truth anymore. Just contrary, so, honestly, for the sake of it. Very, yeah, cheap whiz. I wish that was the case, man. Um, I don't think he's purposefully contrarian. I think he's not well, and I think he thinks that everyone is to get him and is against him. Um, and that's not a rational person. So his analysis on fitness subjects is now so driven by ego and the need to be right that he's ignoring literature. And he's so he's interested in having been right this whole time. He can't admit that he was mistaken. I was uh, mistaken okay. a bunch in my earlier years. He just will never admit to that. So he continues to be increasingly more wrong as the literature leaves him behind. The whole like I did this before it was cool, and I don't want to change my my view because then it, it admits it admits, admits defeat. Whereas actually, he literally has said. Yeah, he literally has said, I've never been wrong. Okay. Right. Because, like, I, I saw the podcast you did with him, and I thought, actually, like, the frame that you were taking was very much like, okay, Lyle's made this claim, and actually, I agree with 94, 95% of, of what he said. And, and at the end of the day, we're arguing about, like, lifting weights and eating protein. So, like, it's not, <laughs> you know. Um, sure. But even though you, you were kind of always bringing it back to, at least from the bits that I saw, like, the, the shared assumptions and the, and kind of then saying with that in mind the bits that i disagree with are really like the icing on the cake here and here mm-hmm. it yeah like it it didn't it, it did seem like a kind of a circular discussion by the end of it but well, it has to be if someone's not willing to move their point at all or even consider anything reasonably yeah. and at, towards the end he started to caricature my points like, so so you're saying that we need to train 45 sets a week and everyone will get big got it he'd move on i'm like oh, that's actually not what i'm saying i never said that uh so i think in the end being genuine with some civility, of course, is a very good thing for two reasons. One, people like it, uh, and that's going to get you further to be genuine. And two, it's really hard to be fake, um, really, really hard to be fake for very long. If you imagine faking a personality for business, uh, mm. like restraining a part of your personality or pushing forward a part of your personality that's not as sort of um, externally visible as normal, that's easy. But like just literally playing a role of a different person is one of the best. I don't know if it was meant as a compliment. I suspect maybe it wasn't. But one of the best compliments I've ever gotten was from Greg Knuckles in a write-up he did after a, a seminar in London we did together. He was a, he's like, you know, Eric Helms is this and that and someone else is this and that, all these great things. He's like, Mike Isretel is exactly the same way in person as he is online. And I was like, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> so I think that's maybe an <laughs> easier way to go. Yeah, easier way to go and, and do things rather than manufacturing a persona or something. I used to have a teacher that said, don't lie, it's less to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Because you eventually yeah. forget the lie, like the the lie you told three months ago about the person that you're supposed to be. And or, or, Yeah. Or messy. you bring the wrong personality to a conference or a podcast and people are like, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think this would be very refreshing for people to hear because obviously like RP is a very well-known online fitness brand. Um, and I think people probably have all sorts of preconception about what that, what that means, you know, like, do I have to be a fitness celebrity or do I have to be a certain way online and kind of people have the different versions of it. But I think really what I've taken away from this conversation mainly is, um, you just, are you on the internet in a way that kind of makes sense for how you how Nick lets you be on the internet. And then the focus is like, how do we deliver the, the result 
to people in a consistent way at scale rather than yeah. like what do we think people might like like what do people want an hourly like a daily coaching setup or a daily coaching call or and i think that people get so sucked into what fe- what app do i need to use what features do i need to have in my coaching um which like should i be using excel or google sheets or trainerize and do i need to be doing instagram lives every day and I, you haven't really mentioned any of that you just it all comes back to the the basic fundamentals of give people the result that they're after 100 that's very well summarized if the core is know what is true what is scientific what is correct and do a very good job just around that is make sure the client is happy and you're serving the, the demands of the client and the customer and around that that the way in which you're presenting yourself is civilized and and not insane but as genuine as that uh as that amount of margin will allow you to be and whatever is your angle, work that angle, if not work, fall into that angle and allow it to blossom, right? Like if you're a pretty funny guy, use some jokes if you want to. And then people be like, Oh, this is the guy. You're not going to make all the money in the world. You're not going to coach everyone because like I'll make the best video ever on YouTube. It'll get like 20,000 views in a day. And then people like, 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 is there a thousand likes and one dislike? And there's always a guy in the comments. They're like, why is he blink so much? What the fuck's wrong with the size of his head? Why is his head shape so weird? I don't like this guy. He's a fucking pedantic cunt. And I'm just like, a word up. Like there's nothing I can do, but how am I supposed to be less of a pedantic cunt? I'm already trying to relate. I don't understand about that. It's like, well, why, why are you still subscribed to my channel? If you like, if you hate Yeah size of my head or like what i'm saying so much like you can always unsubscribe incels are real man they're real people and there's you know fundamentally at the end of the day people that make such comments on youtube are nine times out of ten like you don't want to meet them in real life because they're the kinds of guys that are really shy and really don't say anything and you're like if we lived in the states you would bring a gun to a school and fuck shit up 100 like that's the guy right that's the guy that you're like i'm always on billy's good side (laughs) who knows what he's going to do next right so but you know you never can please everyone so what you want to do is a great job uh, playing to your strengths, trying to improve your weaknesses, but at the end of the day, spread the truth, Use make products and services that fucking work to get people what they want, to get them in shape, and make sure that you really, really care about your customers and whatever. There's 50 trillion ways to do all that. And the last thing I'll have to say, and this is maybe something you guys can have Nick Shaw on if you're interested, of course, knows way more about that, <laughs> is don't be shy uh, about spreading your successes, but also do that genuinely. Don't be like, my training's the best, number one. Like, just say, like, hey, training works. Here's some before and afters. Here's some client testimonies. Because the core of marketing has to be a value proposition. Like, why the hell would people click on your shit? It doesn't matter how fancy your graphics are, all this other shit. It matters, like, hey, like, what can you do for me? Like, if you are interested in a car and you see a commercial, like, this car does X, Y, Z. You're like, fuck, I want all that. I'm going to buy this fucking car. But if it's like, this car is cool and look, a supermodel's in it and she's smoking a cigarette, which is even cooler. You're like, man, I wish I was <laughs> a cigarette smoking supermodel in a car. I'll buy it. Like, Right? So less fluff, more substance even to marketing. And a lot of people are like very good. They just don't market themselves much. And I think marketing yourself in the sense of what marketing truly is at its very good core is showing people what you got. There's, there's people that are like against commercials and are against like advertising. Like we shouldn't be able to advertise and commercials are evil. What the fuck am I supposed to find out about amazing fucking product? I'd still be using some fucking stupid music app. I use Spotify. How? Because I saw a fucking ad for it. It was like Spotify, all the music in the world, $10 a month. I'm like, 
I click on that shit. And then it turned out to not suck. And I'm a Spotify lifetime subscriber. So it's good. And, and a lot of people just blab a shitload about who they are, how great their products are, but their core sucks. So they see pretty decent success because marketing is powerful. But if your core is awesome and you don't ever spread the knowledge about like, hey, I exist and I can help you in any way, how the fuck are people supposed to know you're there? And people click on your Instagram and they're like, why the hell do you have 2,000 followers? You should have 200,000. You're like, well... I don't know. I think the service speaks for itself. Does it though? Mm. You got you to gotta tell some, some people. And even if it's just sharing client testimonials, it's a big deal to make sure you go out there and say, hey, like I exist. And don't lie to people. Don't use any sleazy marketing. Use honest shit and people will like that. And then you'd be a trillionaire. And all of a sudden, all the, the people think you have trillions of dollars, but you don't because all of the equipment to design the octopus's arms cost trillions of dollars. So you're nominally rich. But you live on canned tuna and, and packets of rice because the octopus has to be built, period. I can't agree more about the ads thing. Like, I, I have so many conversations with people who are like, I hate when I look at Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and I see all these ads. And it's like, well, like, would you rather, like, would you rather not see, would you not rather not hear about things that are relevant to you that might really be good? For you to spend the targeted money on. ads, people are like I hate targeted ads. Would you prefer non-targeted ads? I know that'd be like horrendous. American Association for Retired Persons ads when you're 18 years old, probably not. <laughs> what about this cool moto bike scooter that you'll probably like? You're like, nah, I don't like that. But then you scroll the next ad, you're whoa, I really do like that. Like targeted ads are better. Advertising's great. There's ways to do it sleazy and super annoying. Just don't do it those ways. Do quality advertising. Even if, I don't mean like hire an ad person. Eventually, if your company gets big enough, you have to do that. And we have like two of them or something. But like um, at the very first, you know, when you're a personal trainer trying to transition to more of a scale, um, find some way to share your success. Even if somebody really great to see that with is uh, Steve Hall of Revive Stronger. I think he's got his Revive Stronger Instagram. He just puts tons of great stuff on there. And it's a lot of personal stories. Maybe the most genuine person ever. Um, and he does put like client testimonials and people. And then once you have this core of genuineness built up, any client testimonial he puts up, you're like, that person's for sure telling the truth. That mm. definitely really happened. Why the hell am I not hiring Steve Hall? And then you end up hiring yeah yeah we had steve on the podcast like 10 episodes ago or something so yeah we really like everything steve's got to offer and i think yeah it's it's the before you know it like you're watching everything he uploads you're watching all his his instagram you're watching every story and then you've before you know it clicked on the link in his in his bio you're on a call with him and you've paid money you don't even know how it happened no more my money steve hall i want my money back steve hall yeah yeah like, are you, Steve, are you part of this octopus thing that I've heard about? I guess or an ad for this octopus, but yeah. <laughs> Mike, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming back on. Um, and we'd love to speak to Nick as well to see the other, other half of the, the global domination. Send me an Instagram message. I'll get you connected with Nick. We'll have him on here ASAP. Uh, Appreciate he's that. not in Argentina building the seventh arm. Of the, the, right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big project. You know, I understand if he's busy. Literally. It's, it's yeah. huge. If Thank you so much for people me. want more Mike, <laughs> where do they go to find more Mike? Uh, uh, RP Dr. Mike on Instagram. Uh, YouTube's where we're at now in a big way. We're trying to put on YouTube because I've been doing videos for our private stuff for a while, but now they're public and people seem to really like them. We've gained like 40,000 subscribers in 10 nice. weeks, something insane. Nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so- on YouTube recently. Like, and that's been, it, I was going to ask you about that, but like maybe another time, just because it looks like you've just gone from zero to like, really consistent high quality produced videos on youtube like Mm -hmm. 
I'm guessing that was just like turning the turret and you had like a yeah, tentacle definitely. of the octopus just hundred percent. We've already been doing that in, in a pri- in a private platform, RP plus and RP plus is going to be getting dismantled. So everything's going to be free. Uh, it's weird, wow. right? Like our business is growing by making more shit free. What, the fuck are we doing? what a treat it's for funny. everyone. Like it goes it, yeah, until the octopus comes <laughs> until yeah. the octopus comes. just feeding the like octopus videos. And then, and then yes, exactly. yeah, wait till That's our, the RP logo is going to be an octopus smashing a person's head. Wow. I can't wait for this octopus, Mike. I'll be really disappointed if this is all just an analogy and there's not really an octopus. So I will hope. You're going to be on your deathbed in like 2070. You're going to be flying cars. You're gonna be like, oh. <laughs> your, your grandkids are like, what the fuck is he? He's definitely out of it. Like, what? He's talking about this octopus thing. So Instagram's, Instagram, YouTube mainly. Instagram, there's loads YouTube, of the... RP Strength on Instagram as well. And uh, you know, Facebook's done. Let's all be completely honest mm. about it. Um, but so Instagram, YouTube. Awesome. Is all right. That's everything for this episode. Mike, Guys, thanks again. Speak to I you soon. I loved it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mike. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.